How many guys remember that music? That sound. How many guys uh, got hooked on that? Anybody? Yeah, uh, good time to confess. But here's the thing: is uh, playing those old video games. You know, the cool thing is, is whenever you died, you could start over, right? I mean, if hey, if, if you ran into trouble, you could die, you died, you you know, went back, you know, maybe level one, maybe you went back to where the last marker was, but you could you could start over. And sometimes I think many of us we wish I, we could just start over. You know, just start over fresh and new. Wouldn't it be nice? It's like life, like a video game, but it's not. Now I can remember playing Pong, uh, watching that. Just really brought back some memories. We were putting some of those clips together this week. I can remember playing Pong at a buddy of mine, Ralph McElroy. He was the first one to get one of those, and we would go down and we would sit in there and play Pong. And it is really pretty bunk. If y'all want to play it, we've got it set up over here in the uh, cafe. You can go back over and check it out. But anyway, so I can remember playing that, and then Asteroids. You guys remember Asteroids? You know, I'd always get on there, and I always thought I was pretty good until I hit the thrusters. I never could get it back under control once I hit the thrusters. You were spinning out of control, and you'd fly into some asteroid, and you were toast. And uh, and so that was kind of the the deal was, you know, you're playing these games, and you were always... I was telling my boys, you know, anybody remember uh, junior food stores? Anybody remember junior food stores? Raise your hand if you remember those. Those were around here, around Alabama. If you're a redneck, you know what those are. That's where you went to uh, go get, you know, whatever, when they were out hunting and stuff. But uh, Centipede was up there, and we used to go play Centipede all the time. To the point that I, I blew so many quarters on that game, it was ridiculous. That and Gorf. I mean, we'd go play Gorf and we'd play these video games. And a buddy of mine, we would get on a motorcycle, we'd go up there and we'd just, we'd, all the quarters we could find at the house got us in trouble with mom and dad. Cause any quarters we could find that were laying around that we were going to play that game. It was like an addiction. And so what happens though is too often we, we kind of play a game and we think, well, you know, I'm, I can just start over. And, and oftentimes we do some things and we get involved in things that aren't so easy to start over. But most of us would like to start over. You know, the new year is a good time to start over, if you will. And so there's a question here. So how would you like to start over? How many of you guys feel like, man, if I could go back, you know, and if I knew, you know, if I knew back then what I know now, boy, I'd like to start over. I, I, would, I would do things completely different. I may even go down a different path or maybe even a different career field or whatever it might be. Maybe even marry somebody different. Now, don't get a jab from your spouse sitting there. It wouldn't be good. But you might be thinking that. You know, right now, you, maybe your life, your marriage is on the rocks and you're thinking, hey, you know, man, a start over would be nice, you know. That might get you in trouble. But here's the thing, most of us want to. Because all of us have failed in some way or form or fashion. We failed at something. Maybe we failed to meet a commitment. Maybe we failed to, you know, to, to maybe accomplish a goal that we've set. And so oftentimes we wish, like a video game, that we could just start over. We could just start over fresh and new. You know, you know, and so the cool thing about, you know, video games, a lot of times you had, you know, three lives or however many lives. Or if you messed up, you didn't have to go all the way back to the beginning, go back to wherever that marker was at. And, and life is not always like a video game. A lot of times, man, there's things that are way more painful. You know, in, in a video game, that character doesn't feel anything, but we do. And so life can be tough. So a lot of times we go, man, I wish I could just start over. And so we look at that and we go, you know, you know most of us would like to start over. Anybody, let me ask this. Anybody here make any New Year's commitments or resolutions? Raise your hand if you did. 
A few of you guys. Man, there's not very many people that do that anymore. Yeah, so it's about the same percentage in the first service. So, so you guys are about six days into it. So how are you guys doing? Raise your hand if you feel like you're doing pretty good. See if it's the same amount of hands go. Hey, not as many hands, but most of you guys, that's good. So here's the thing is, you know, what you said is, you know what, hey, it's a new year, I'm gonna start something fresh or something new, right? I'm gonna start eating better, I'm gonna exercise, or I'm gonna, I wanna have a new focus going into this new year. I want a new change, a change of heart, maybe a change of focus, but I want some change in my life. And so most of us are like that. And, and so we want there to be a change, but oftentimes with change, you know, or to be better at something, or to enjoy life more, or maybe to be a better husband, better wife, better mom, better dad, something's gotta give. So I want to give you kind of a double negative here, but how to repeat your current pattern. So if you're not satisfied with where you are in life, if you're not satisfied with maybe some things that are going on, here is how to stay right there. How to repeat your current pattern is don't take your relationship with God too seriously. So I'm giving you what not to do, really. But the thing is, is if you want to stay where you're at, and you want to kind of have the same mindset going into 2019 that you had in 2018... If you want your marriage to stay on the rocks instead of in the middle of God's will, then don't take your relationship with God too seriously. Don't take it too seriously. You know, just just let it be, hey, come in here on Sunday morning, kind of do that thing, kind of dress up, come in here, you know, kind of listen to the message, go, man, that was a good word, and then walk out of here and do nothing with it. Don't seek to apply it. And then just go eat lunch, and then go home or go do whatever you've always done. You know, so in other words, we often wonder, you know, why, why do things not change? It's kind of like, you know, a guy going up to the plate and he, he strikes out every time. And the coach says, hey, listen, dude, why don't you try something different? Why don't you try hitting the ball? You know, or, or here's the thing is, make an adjustment. You know, what are you doing that is not working? Let's make an adjustment. And so, so if you want to stay right where you're at, then don't take your relationship with God too seriously. Let it be something that, you know, it really it's not that big of a deal. So if you want to stay where you're at, just stay there. So here's, here's the sad thing is there's a lot of you guys... Even in a church this size, and with many of you guys that are pretty, maybe even regular attendants, you're here not for your for you, and you're not here for God. You're here because Mama wants you here, right? It, it, you know, you don't have to shake your head or raise your hand or anything like that because Mom may be sitting beside you, but you're here because you know, your Mama wants you to be here, or you're here because your daddy said, "Hey, listen, as long as you live under my roof, you're going to be at church, right?" I mean, hey, that's the way it's going to be. Those are the rules of the house. That's the way it's going to be. So you're not here to really worship God. When we sing songs like we sing, a lot of times you're looking at your phone, you're doing everything but worshiping. And so you're really not here for you and your relationship with God. You're here because my mom has said I need to be here. My dad has said, hey, you're going you're gonna to go to church as long as you live here. Or maybe you're here because you're trying to keep peace with your spouse. Your wife keeps saying, I wish you would be a spiritual leader. I wish you would step up. I wish you would really begin to lead our family. Why don't you be the one to say, let's get up and go to church this morning. And so you're here trying to make peace with her, not to be in a right relationship with God. You're here just to kind of keep, keep peace in the house, right? And so a lot of times that's what it is. Or maybe, maybe you're one of the teenagers and you're dating. And so you're here because, you know, there's a cute girl here or there's a cute guy there. You know, and so that's the reason you're here. I can remember when I was in high school, I was dating this girl. That, you know, we've kind of, kind of gotten serious. We dated for a couple of years. But for me, Sunday was kind of like a bonus date. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't really go there for my relationship with God. I didn't go there to really hear a message. I went there to see her. You know, and so we would, we would sit by each other. And sometimes, you know, we would, you know, pass a couple of notes until her mama would look over that evil eye. And her mama had some ugly eyes. But she would look over at you and, and you, and you would just kind of quit and, and it'd be like, quit. You know, and so, you know, you'd do stuff like that. Or you would, I can remember going on 
on Sunday nights I would go because, you know, back then we went on Sunday night and you went out and got pizza afterwards. So I mainly went to kind of have somebody to hang out and go eat pizza on Sunday night. And, and I, I'm just being honest. I mean, that's the reason I went. I wasn't a believer. I didn't get saved until I was 19. I didn't give my life to Christ until I was 19. And so for me it was just I was going for those reasons. And so there may be some of you that you're here today and you're here for the wrong reasons. You're not here for God. And you're not here for a relationship with Christ. You're not here to grow in that that in that relationship or to become, you know, a better version of you, you're just here because you have to be here. Or you're here because you're trying to make points with somebody. And, and so here's what I'm saying is, if you want to continue in that pattern, then don't take your relationship with God too seriously. Just keep, keep doing what you're doing. But here's the thing, don't expect great things in your life. And here's the thing, don't expect there to be a whole lot of change if you want to stay in that pattern. Just keep doing that. You know, and here's the other thing I would, I would say too is a lot of times we say one thing but we do another. It was a, a pastor got on a plane and he was going, he was going on a trip and it was a two leg trip and so he gets on the plane and he's, he's going down, uh, he goes down and gets in the seat and you guys probably know how it is when you get on a plane. If you want to talk, then you kind of try to make conversation with the person beside you. If you don't want to talk, you get on your, you get your book out or you get your iPad or you get on your phone, but you do whatever you can to kind of, hey, I'm not making eye contact with you because if I talk, if I make eye contact, you're probably going to say, hey, how you doing? And then it'll turn into a conversation. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so if you don't want to talk, you try to kind of get focused right here or you get in, you pull your hat down over your eyes and you lean against the wall and you hope that, you know what, they're not going to ask you anything. That's just how travel is on the plane sometimes. But oftentimes you get on there and they get into conversation. And so this pastor gets on there, and this guy begins, they begin to talk, and the guy, uh, he asks the pastor, he goes, what do you do? He goes, well, I'm a pastor. And he goes, well, pastor, he goes, no offense, he said, but I'm an atheist. He said, I don't believe in God. He said, I don't believe, he said, I believe that religion is just for weak-minded people. He said, and it's uh, because they can't deal with life, and they, they don't know how to cope. And so, he said, so to me, I believe that that's their crutch, and, and so that's what it's about. And I, I just believe that you, you live, you die, and that's it. And the pastor said, well, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's what you believe, so, I mean, that's fine. He said, but not always will you believe that. You know, Scripture is clear. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever. And so, so the guy, pastor gets on to the next flight, and he sits down beside this young lady, and she's very talkative, and... And she goes, uh, she said, you know, she's just one of those who will just tell you everything about her life, and you don't even have to ask her. You know what I'm saying? I mean, y'all know people like that? It's like, and they just kind of pour it out there. And so she goes, you know, I'm, I'm living with my boyfriend, and, uh, you know, I want to get married, but he doesn't really want to get married. He's not committed, you know, to the relationship, and he's really not committed to me. And so there's that part of me, I don't know if I need to even still be living with him, you know, and... And, and I, I just, I don't, I don't know. We're, we're struggling financially. We can barely pay the bills. It's really stressful. It's just a bad situation. And anyway, the girl goes, by the way, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm a pastor. She goes, ooh, well, I'm a Christian too. You know, and, uh, and, and he, he's kind of listening to her and she goes, she goes, I know I just was telling you about my life and I know that I'm not living a life that really honors God. And I know, you know, I don't read my Bible and, you know, I don't go to church and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't tithe or do anything like that or give. And, uh, she said, but, but I believe that there's a God. And he, he just kind of smiled. And so here's the thing about that story. There's different kinds of atheists. There's an atheist that we all know of who says, Hey, I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe there's anything to it. It's all religion. It's just man-made junk. I don't really believe there's a God. And I believe that we, you know, we'll, we'll live and we'll die and that's it. And then there's Christian atheists. It's those who say that, Hey, I believe there's a God, but their life has no reflection of that relationship. 
They, they say, hey, I believe there's a God, but there's nothing there, there's nothing going on in their life that would be any kind of evidence that you would go, you know what, they follow Christ. And, and so I think sometimes what we do is, you know, we talk about starting over, but the thing we have to ask is have we ever started? Have we ever given our life to Christ? Have we ever started? And, and so if we want to stay in the pattern that we're, that we're in, then we just, have to, we just need to do that, just not take our relationship with God seriously. Because there's, there's people, like I said, like this young lady who we call a, like a Christian atheist who says they believe that there's a God, but yet there's no evidence that you know, they are following Him. You know, they still think their time is their time. They still think their money is their money. They still think their decisions are their decisions. And some of you might go, well, that's kind of how I think. Well, here's what I would say. You need to be careful with that. Because if, if we claim to be followers of Christ and that He is Lord of our life, He is the one that makes the decisions. And we've surrendered everything to Him. And we say... We say, Jesus, we believe you, and we trust you, and we believe that you can guide us, you can lead us, you can give us direction. We believe the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and that that Holy Spirit is going to guide me, it's going to give me counsel, it's going to tell me what to do. But instead, what we do is we, we look into God's Word, and we go, you know, I really don't like this part of the teaching, so I'm just going to kind of leave that over here, but I like this part over here, and so I'll, I'll kind of cling to that. Well, that's not surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. That's still me being Lord and picking what I want. And I make the decisions. And so, the cool thing is, is we can start over. So, if you could start over, what would you change? If you could start over, what would you change? Would you change maybe the career field that you're in? Would you change uh, maybe where you've lived? Would you change how you handle your money? Here it is the new year, you know, and you know, I hate to you know, hurt y'all's feelings, but you know, the bills from December are going to be coming due and... Some of you guys may have probably spent more on Christmas than you probably had budgeted. And there's going to be a wake-up call somewhere in this month about, what in the world were we thinking? How are we going to pay this? You know, and so here's the thing. So could you change that? Would you go back and change maybe how you handle finances? So if you could go back, if you could start over, what would you change? If it was like a video game, if you could go back, what tweak would you make? What change would you make? What would you pursue? You know, if you could go back and maybe start all over again, would you go back and ch- maybe change the direction uh, th- that you were going, maybe career-wise, or maybe, it, you know, hey, instead of dropping out of school, I would have stayed in school. Instead of getting a degree in this, I would have got a degree in that. In- instead of, you know, turning down that management position or that next-level position, I would have taken it because I feel like, you know, now I think I know well enough, but, you know, back then I didn't know. So if you could go back, what would you change? Would you pursue? Would you pursue, if you could go back and change, would you still pursue money? Would you still pursue stuff? Or would you still, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm pursuing this person? Or would you go back and say, you know what, I will pursue God and His plans and His purpose for my life? What would you change? And so what would you change? What would you pursue? And if you could start over, what would you accomplish? You know, maybe maybe like today in the first service, we had a lady that retired this past week. And anyway, so she's pretty excited about that. And so uh, I, I walked up to her and said, well, congratulations on retirement. I said, how's that feel? She goes, wonderful. I said, well, what are you going to do now? She goes, she goes, I have got so much to do. And, you know, and for a lot of people, whenever they retire, they go, man, how do I get anything, ever get anything done? And so she's got a new, new ter- a starting point there. She's going to start over. And so for, maybe for some of you, you would go back and say, well, you know, man, this is what I would, I would change. You know, because, man, I, I, my focus has been to accomplish retirement. I want to retire at 55 or 60 or 65, whatever it might be. And would you go back and change it and say, you know what, man, I don't, 
I don't really want that to be my focus. I want my focus to be that my life is making a difference in the lives of the people around me. My life is making a difference in the lives of my family. My life is a light for Christ. I want to go on mission trips. I want to you know, go to this school or whatever it might be. So would you go back and change any of that? Just the focus of what you want to accomplish. And so what would you change? And so there's a statement there that says, do you know that you can change? You can start over. God intends for you to start over again because He knew that you were going to fail uh, before you failed. So God knows that we're going to fail. I mean, and so we're fixing to read a story here in, in, in the Gospel of John. It's John 3. And so this is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is asking some questions of Jesus. And so Nicodemus is kind of a, he's a, he's a high roller. He's kind of a, uh, an important guy. And uh, he's wealthy, he's, he's religious. I mean, think about that, he was religious, so like whenever he walked into church, he probably had a certain spot that he sat in every week, you know, and his family came in, and he might stand there and say, hey, come on guys, we're all sitting right here on this row, we've got this whole row. You know, and so maybe he was pretty religious and pretty involved, but he, he was still lost, he was questioning. And so let's read this passage here where Nicodemus meets with Jesus. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, so in other words, he didn't want to come during the day. He came after dark under the, the, the shadow of darkness so that nobody might see him. So after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And so Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So here's the thing. Nicodemus comes up, he gives this compliment. He goes, Jesus, we know that you came from God. Nobody else helps people, allows people to walk and tells them to, you know, that, that they can see and all of a sudden they can see. Nobody else, you know, opens the ears of the deaf. Nobody can do what you're doing. And so he gives this kind of, you know, halfway, you know, compliment, if you will. And Jesus says, hey, listen, you gotta understand. You're focused on the wrong things. And so Jesus says, replies again, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that, that, that term right there, born again, you know, for many of us, that sounds, that sounds old school. That sounds, uh, religious. That sounds churchy. That sounds kind of like way back there. Now we say, hey, have you ever been saved? Hey, have you ever, have you ever been redeemed? Have you ever been changed and transformed? Have you ever sur- surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? But what Jesus said is that you have to be born again. Yeah, I can't help it, but this morning, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the one where the lady calls in, or it's a guy, but he's calling in, he's acting like he's talking to church. He's calling church his chicken, and he's acting like it's a church. Y'all ever heard it? Baby, you ever been born again? You ever heard that one? It is hilarious. And so whenever I, I thought about that this morning, it's this guy calling in, and he's messing with this guy that works at church's chicken, and it's one of the funniest things. And so I'm sitting there listening to that going, you know what, born again. It sounds like something that we wouldn't use anymore, but it's what Jesus said. So why would we want to play that down? Why would we want to take away from what Jesus said to be born again is what's most important? Talk about starting over. I mean, born again. That's a fresh start. So, so what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no other, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You must be. The wind blows where, wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It's not for man to know that. That's God's work. Only God can allow someone to be born again. Only God can redeem someone. So how are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. 
Jesus replied, says, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. He says, I assure you, we will tell you what you, what you, we will, we will tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And what he's saying, hey, listen, if you don't believe me when I tell you about something that's of earth, how can you believe when you won't listen to the things about heaven? Because you know what? That's a faith issue. It's a faith issue. I mean, we, we sit there and we argue with people over earthly things, and that's what he's saying. But this is spiritual things. And so if you can't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how are you going to believe when I talk about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. We just celebrated Christmas. And what that whole celebration of Christmas was, was not gifts that we get, but it was the gift that we received whenever the world experienced God coming to earth. God with us. It says, But the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Now here's John 3.16. We all know John 3.16, don't we? For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. And so, so here's Nicodemus asking these questions. And Jesus said, listen, hey, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. You know, man and woman come together, they have a baby. That's flesh. And, and so flesh is of man and woman. But here's the thing, the Spirit is of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what draws us unto God. And whenever we accept Jesus Christ and we surrender our life to Him, and we say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I, I give you everything by faith. By faith. We put our faith in Christ. Now here's the thing. The Spirit of the living God comes and dwells within us. And there's a spiritual birth that takes place within us. You know, I, For me, you know, I can remember the moment. I may not remember the date, but I remember the moment I gave my life to Christ. I got on my knees. I prayed a simple prayer. And I can remember a birth taking place in me. And man, I couldn't hold it in emotionally. I was wrecked by the gospel. And so, whenever we put our faith in Christ, there's a spiritual birth that takes place. There's a birth date. There's a birth moment. And so Jesus is saying, you have to be born again. You know, whenever we, we talk about our birthdays, we don't question that. I mean, if, if I were to go around the room and say, hey, listen, what's your birthday? And go around to each one, most of you guys would know what it is. You would know what your birth date is. Maybe you, your mom and dad even knows what time you were born. It's on your birth certificate. And so the thing is, is we, we have to understand there comes a spiritual moment where there's a spiritual birth. That's, you talk about starting over? Any man who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so, man, we, this, oh, this dead man, this man, dead man walking is pretty much what we say. This guy has, has died to self, died to the flesh, and said, you know what, Jesus, I want you to come and live with me, and that we're alive in Christ. And so when we look back at this passage, Jesus is saying, listen, it's, it's a spiritual thing. Being born again is a positive thing. It's not old-fashioned. It's biblical. And then there's a, a passage in here that maybe you guys aren't familiar with. But in verse 14 it says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. That's out of Numbers chapter 21 in the Old Testament. And what had happened is the people, the nation of Israel, were, were rebelling against God. You know, God had led them out. He'd been feeding them manna. You know, and manna was this, this, this heavenly bread that was on the ground each morning. And that's how He fed them. 
And so they were tired of the manna. You know how it is. We get tired of everything. You know, we say, man, I'm tired of eating steak. Man, I want something better. I want something different. I'm tired of eating lobster. I want something different. And so whatever you have a lot of, you're just like, man, I'm tired of that. And so they were tired of the manna. So they begin to rebel against God. They rebel against, you know, against Moses. And they're griping and they're complaining. You know, and they're like, you know, we're, we're tired of this. We'd just rather go back to Egypt. And then God allows these, these serpents, these poisonous snakes to come out. And they begin to bite them. And some of the people died. And then the people come and they come to Moses and say, Hey, we have sinned against God. We have messed up. We have blown it. And so Moses, will you talk to God and ask Him to, to help us out here to make the snakes go away? And so Moses goes and meets with God. And God tells him to form a bronze replica of a snake and put it up on a pole. And everyone who sees that, that is snake bitten, will live. But it doesn't say that the snakes went away. It just says that they put up this pole with this bronze. And that's where we get the medical sign that you guys see, you know, the snakes on a pole. That's the medical sign. It comes from that. And so whenever if someone was bitten by the snake and it doesn't say the snakes went away, they could look at that, that, uh, that, that serpent up on the thing and they would live. And so what Jesus is saying, now this is the Son of, Son of God here. Jesus is saying, listen, just like the bronze snake had to be lifted up, the Son of Man will be lifted up. And what Jesus was saying, listen, I will take on the sins of the world. He's saying, I'll be lifted up on a cross. I'll be hung before all people. But if they will look to me, they will find life. Just like the servant, if they will look to me, they will find life. Eternal life. If, if we will look to the cross, if we will look to what Jesus has done, that He has paid for our sins, He has bled out His blood, He has washed us white as snow, if we will put our faith in Him, if we will look to Him, we'll have life. But it says you must be born again. You must be born again. And so the question we, we, we ought to ask is, man, have I ever been born again? As I, as I was talking about earlier, many of us are here for the wrong reasons. We're not here for God. We're not here for a relationship. We're not here to worship. When the songs are going, like I said, we're looking for something else to do. Like, man, hey, man what, where, hey, where do you where do y'all want to go for, for lunch? You know, hey, what do you want to do today? And you're thinking about what you're going to do outside here. You're not here for God. You're not here to gather corporate. You're not here to worship. And so the question I would ask you, have you ever been born again? Have you ever put your faith in Christ? I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm asking you, have you been born again? Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you started over this dead man, literally filled with the life of of Christ, with the Spirit of the living God? Have you ever been born again? And and what I I think we do sometimes is we do get religious. I was talking to a guy this past week, said he, he went in to talk about, he was wanting to get married, so he went in to talk to this this church and they said hey well listen if you know if you're a member here you can use the building for free but if you're not it's going to cost he's like well i don't have the money he said so i, I joined the church he said and they went ahead and baptized me he said but i didn't make a decision for christ i just wanted to get a, a discount on the wedding and so hey are some of you guys here for that reason i mean hey you wanted to hey, I, hey they got they got something special for the membership so i'm going to join the church not that i want to give my life to christ and i think too often that's our mentality isn't it we say, you know what, I want to sign the card. I want to be a member of the church because, hey, you know, when I graduate from high school, I want him to say he attends such and such church or whatever. Or maybe there's benefits there. And I will say this, we have the membership class today if y'all want to join. We're coming, we're doing it right after the service. So, but there's, the benefits are not those things. The benefit comes from knowing Christ and having a body of believers. You can say, well, this is my family. And we grow together in our relationship with God. And we, here's the thing, we work towards helping one another serve God. We challenge one another. We teach one another. We equip one another for the works of ministry. But you must be born again. 
says when you try to live a righteous life apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. If, if you try to do it in your own works, I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll just do, do it in my own works. I mean, you're going to mess up. You know, the thing is, is being born again, what does that mean? Let me just say this. It's not like a New Year's resolution or, you know, a New Year's commitment. It's, it's not even, hey man, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You ever wonder what that means? What does turn over a new leaf mean? You know, I mean, hey, there's a leaf. I turned it over. What does that do? You know? You know is it turning over a new leaf? Is it reformation? Is it me kind of reforming? No, let me tell you what reformation or reforming is. is putting on a suit, a new suit. But being born again is putting a new person in that suit. In other words, it's letting the change on the inside work its way to the outside. And, and, and we're saying, hey, listen, Jesus, I want you to come and live in me. Jesus, I want you to live through me. And so the change begins on the inside. So we often want to kind of clean up the outside, but God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart of man. So the question is, have you, have you been born again? But what we try to do so often is, hey, I'll just, I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. I'll do more. And what we're doing is we're saying, hey, listen, I'll do it. You can't do it. I can't earn it. I can't earn God's grace or God's mercy. I can receive it. I can receive it. A young man got saved. He gave his life to Christ. You ever been around someone who is a new Christian, a new believer? It's like they're on fire. It's like, man, they, they, they can't hold it in. They're, they're so excited and so they're telling everybody, hey man, I got saved. I gave my life to Christ. Or, you know, they, they know what it was like to be separated. Maybe for some of us, It'd be good for us to maybe go back and remember what it was like to be on the outside looking in. See, for me, I, I remember going back to the church where I got saved one year for a Father's Day message that I did. And I went back and I remember sitting where I was sitting and remembering how I felt that night. I remember walking over and then I went over and sat where I was sitting the night that I surrendered to the ministry. And so I think it's good for us to remember, hey, where we've been. And maybe we will be more passionate about sharing Christ with those who don't know him. But this young man had, man, he'd given his life to Christ and, man, he was, he was so excited about his faith. He wanted to tell somebody about Jesus and how he could be saved. And so he, he said, he goes, Father, he goes, just show me someone that I can share the gospel with. And so he goes out and he goes for a walk and he sees this guy sitting on a bench and the guy looks tired and he looks weary. And, uh, young man walks up and sat down beside him. He said, Sir, he goes, have you ever been saved? And the guy kind of looked at him shocked and he goes, he goes, son, he said, you see that church across there? He goes, I'm the pastor of that church. He goes, sir, don't let that hold you back. Anybody can be saved. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Too often, hey, we're trying to do things to make us qualified. And it's not what we do. It's what Jesus has done on the cross. It's, it's what Jesus did in the tomb. It's what Jesus did when he defeated death, when he defeated hell, and he defeated the grave. I mean, it's what Jesus did. It's not what we do. And too often I think we, we've, we've gotten the wrong focus. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting different results. They say that Einstein said that. Pretty smart guy. And so here's the question for you. Are you doing the same thing over and over again? Your marriage continues. Every year you think, man, this year our marriage is going to be better, but it's not. Well, do something different. I'm, and I'm not talking about divorce. I'm talking about, hey, work on you. I tell people all the time, you know, they'll, they'll come to me and say, hey, well, my spouse won't come to counseling. I say, well, then you go. At least half the relationship is getting better. Yeah, and so the thing is, is do something different this year. You say, oh, you know, I want to, I want my job to be better, then be, be a better you. Be a better employee. Do whatever it might be, but just make a change. You know, and, and I know, like I said, we all, we have, we have times that we want to start over. Maybe your week's been a tough week. I remember we had a rough week one time. We went on a vacation one year. 
to Folly Beach, South Carolina. And you talking about, you know, kind of wishing a week would start over. We get there. It was for Laurie's mom and dad. It was their 50-year anniversary. And they had rented a house there on Folly Beach in uh, South Carolina. And so we get there. We drop the boys off. We look at the house. And we're thinking, hey, this is cool. But we were not on the beach. We were, just, we were off the beach. So we had to figure out, hey, how do we get the kids to the beach? And so Laurie and I, we jump in the car. And, uh, and we're, we're driving down the road. And we're kind of looking. at it like, hey, man, this is pretty. This is where you could cross. This is where you could get over. And we go down to this cul-de-sac. And we turn around. We come back. And we're coming down the road. And the speed limit's only about 35 or 40, so we're not going very fast. And this car is coming to meet us, and we're about to pass. And about the time this this Cadillac comes flying around that car, and boom, we have a head-on collision with a drunk driver. And, you know, and he, our airbags didn't go off, so we weren't going that fast, but it, it messed up his car and all that stuff and damaged the front of our car. It was still running. Air conditioner didn't work. Lori banged her knee up. Lori comes out of there, she is ready to kill this dude, man. She is in fight mode. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm having a conversation. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. And if you know my wife, you're like, Lori? And I mean, I'm talking about she was in fight mode. So I had to calm her down. I have to get the drunk back over. And, his, and the girl that's in there with him, she's like, he's drunk. And she's drunk too, you know. And anyway, so I have to kind of separate Lori from them because she's ready to call their eyes out. And then I have to get out there and direct traffic and get people by and all that stuff. And we, the police get there, they arrest him, they take him back. They, they, you know, and our car was drivable, so we get back. So we pull up, and Lori's mom and dad walk out, and they go, like, what in the world happened to the car? So we got hit by a drunk driver, and they're like, you gotta be kidding me. So we park that vehicle for the week, and we're just kind of doing a few things, and we go to the movies one night, and Lori's driving her mom and dad's car, and she sideswipes the van. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, good gracious, man, what kind of week is that? We have to sit out there, you know, and wait, and wait, and wait for the people to get out of the movie to be able to talk to them to apologize, and then get their name and number. So we had to pay for their van to be fixed. And, and then we get back, and it was something else. I can't remember what the other thing was, but we're driving back home, and we're, we're getting on 85 in Opelika, and Lori's driving. And anyway, she turns, and almost turns in front of a car, and I'm like, wow, whoa, whoa, you don't see that car? And I'm like, pull over. She goes, you're driving, I'm done. She goes, you're going to kill us. You know, and so we get in the car, and I start driving. Said, you know what, I bet our house has been broken too. And Lori's going, you know, I was thinking the same thing. And so all the way home, we're thinking our house is going to be broken into. So we get home, we pull up in the driveway, we get in there, we walk in, we're like, whew, I'm glad we're wrong about that. You know, it's like one of those days, you know. And anyway, so we walk inside. That was Saturday. It was Father's Day on Sunday. We come to church. I preach both services. I go home. Our house has been broken into. Man, you want a week to start over? You ever had one of those kind of weeks? That's a rough week. Laurie's freaking out. She's like, man, she, she, you know, she felt that invaded. Like, man, you know, he stole all of her jewelry, stole all any kind of silver or whatever that we had given to the boys, and uh, it was just a, it was just a weird week. And it's one of those you got, man. I wish we could go back and start that thing over. And here's the cool thing: is we can start over in life. Now, here's the thing: you know, we wish maybe you get up, you go down a road, you get, you're going too fast, you get pulled over. You wish, hey, I could start this day over. Blue lights, but you know what? You can't you can't start that over. You drive down the road, you have an accident. It's your fault. You go, man, I wish this day could start over. And there's some things that, you know, we can't start over, but we can't learn from them. And we always want to learn from those things that have happened in our life. And so the tough thing is, is when we start over, it doesn't mean it's going to be easier than before. I think sometimes we think, well, if we just start over, it's going to be easy. I think sometimes in marriages, people go, you know what, this marriage is not working out. It's too tough. It's not going to make it. And we bail on that marriage. We think the next time the start over is going to be easier. And the sad thing is, and, and stats prove it, that a lot of times the second marriage is just as hard. And they, they bail out because they've already done this before. They know how to get out of this one. And they bail out of that one and they get into another one. And before you know it, they've been married three and four times. 
They've never allowed God to work on the main things, the heart. So I think sometimes what we do is we think, well, if I start over, it's going to be easier. But just like I said a while ago, whenever Jesus was talking about the, the serpents, you know, and the bronze serpent having to be lifted up, the thing is, is the snakes didn't go away. The issue was still there. It was, hey, look to, the, look to the bronze snake and you'll live. And then Jesus says, he'll be lifted up. Look to him. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be stuff. Look at this. Says, this is Paul writing in Philippians. He says, no, no, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul said, hey, listen, I'm going to say focused on Christ. I'm going to focus on Him. What He did on the cross. What He did through the power of the resurrection. I'm going to focus on Him. Are there wounds or things, that tough, tough issues that I'm going to have to go through? Yes, but you know what? Christ is in here and we're going through this together. Look at what it says in Acts 20, verse 22 through 23. This is Paul saying, he says, he goes, and, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. Think about this. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me that in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. How many of you guys would go? If Paul is saying, hey listen, the Holy Spirit is leading me to Jerusalem. He is telling me to go. But the Holy Spirit is also telling me that jail and suffering await me. How many of you guys would go? Because he was committed. He trusted God. He said, God, I, I, I'm surrendered to you. God, I, I want you to be in control. And if you say go, I'm going. Too often we're thinking, man, I'm not going. I'm, I'm checking out on that. And then look, look here what, what Paul says. He says, now all glory to God who is able through the, His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Paul understood that he was going into trials and tribulation. He understood that he was going into jail and suffering. He understood it was going to be tough. He understood that he was going to be in chains. He understood it was going to be hard. But he did not hold back. He said, you know what, I'm going. I'm going, I'm moving forward. And here's the tough thing about moving forward. You know, we have to understand, you have an enemy that, that immediately goes to war against you. If you say, hey, I'm making a fake decision to follow Christ, to lean into Him, to trust Him, you, you immediately go to war with, with the evil one. And so whenever we're, we're thinking, alright, man, I'm going to start over, I'm going to give my life to Christ, it's all going to be easy from here. That's not what the Gospel says. But if anything, there may be suffering. If anything, there may be hardship. And I think for us, we want this American pie-in-the-sky mentality that, man, I give my life to Christ, everything's hunky-dory, and that is not what Scripture teaches. But it just says that Jesus is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And instead of giving up on your marriage, the gospel is going to tell you, hey, listen, you work on you. You forgive first. You serve your spouse. Don't sit there and look for a way out. That's not what, that's what the Bible teaches. This says to, you know, to serve one another, to mutually submit, to care for one another, respect one another, to love one another. So if your marriage, you know, don't, if you think, hey, well, I'm giving my life to Christ, I'm going to start over, and I'll just start fresh and new. No, the Bible's going to say, press on. You have an enemy, an, an enemy that immediately goes to war against you. Jesus tells us, you know, in the Scriptures, or Paul is the writer of it, but the thing is, it says to put on the full armor of God. And I don't know about you, but when I put on armor, I'm thinking, hey, there's a battle, right? We're to put on the armor of God. There is a battle ahead. We're to press on. We're to move forward. It's not we're to back up, shy away, but we're going to have to move forward. Here's another one. God is trying to test your resolve and deepen your faith. Now, many of you guys have probably started the, the new year out maybe working out. And so what you do is you work out, and or maybe you're running, whatever the exercise might be, and you're saying, hey, listen, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to, get, I'm going to uh, do a better job of taking care of me. 
So what you do is you put weights on a bar that create what? Resistance, right? So you do that resistance and you, you push it as long as you can, as far as you can, and you're trying to let it literally build muscle because here's the thing, resistance will eventually build strength and muscle. But yet we don't think like that spiritually. Man, we, we just want to be pudding when it comes to spiritual stuff. But the, the Bible teaches us that we need to literally build spiritual muscle. You go out and you run a mile. You say, you know what, I'm going to get to the shape point where I can, I can run a mile. And at a half mile, you're like, man, I don't think I can make it. But hey, you know what, I'm going to press on and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. You may, you may have to walk the rest of it, but the next day you're going to go out and you're going to try to go a little bit further and a little bit further. And here's the thing, the, the resistance is what's making you stronger. The difficulty is what's making you work harder. It's making your body healthier. And so let me just say this, spiritually, some of the things that we're going through, we need to go through. It's not a deliverance that, hey, I don't ever have to deal with any kind of hardship. That's not what Scripture teaches. But it says that God will never leave you nor forsake you and that He is with you. He, he will live in the very center of you and go through whatever it might be. God is teaching you to trust Him. God is teaching you to trust Him. So, so faith usually leads us through difficulty, not around it. See, we all like the shortcut, don't we? Like, if, you could, if, if I said, hey guys, I've got a pill up here. For a, for a, a million dollars, if you had it, that if you take it, you'll lose 50 pounds overnight. You guys would be knocking the stage down trying to get up here. You know, if you had a million dollars, if I said, hey, for a hundred dollars, y'all would, y'all would probably kill me trying to get to that pill. But here's what I'm saying is we want the shortcut. Hey, what's the quick way to get there? Whenever you do GPS, most of you probably don't go, hey, what's the slowest route to the destination? You know, you want the quick way, the shortcut, whatever it might be. But spiritually, sometimes we have to go through adversity. And we've got to be okay with it and say, God, I'm okay with where I'm at. God, I'm okay working through this hardship. God, I'm okay with moving through this because I know it's building spiritual muscle. I'm deepening my faith. My trust in you is growing. And I know that you've got me. And here's the thing. God's going to use you as a witness in the lives of other people. Other people are going to look at you and they're going to go, man, he has got a faith like nobody else. She has got a faith in the God that she worships. She's for real. He's for real. And so the thing is, is God will use that. Look at what it says in Isaiah 43, 2-3. It says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That same God is the one that literally came and infiltrated the earth the baby that we celebrated at Christmas became God among us. He's our Savior. So what he's saying is, listen, you may have to go through some tough times. And I don't know if you realize this, but on a video game, if I'm playing a video game and, and I'm trying to get to a certain level and I get killed or I lose or whatever and I have to start over, the game doesn't go, hey, this guy's a wimp. Let's soften up the game. Let's make it a little easier for him. But if anything, I just have to work at my skills and I have to literally make some adjustments or I have to go down a different path or whatever it might be to get to the point of winning that level. It doesn't, the game doesn't get easier. But for some reason, spiritually, I think we think that, hey, you know what, it's all going to get easier. That's not the promise. So here's the thing, going back to level one. I think for some of us, the most important thing might be today, if we really want to start over, is going back to, hey, where is God in my life? Where's my relationship with God? Maybe I haven't been taking my relationship with God seriously. And so, 
Jesus was asked, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, listen, the most important thing you can do is love God with everything that's in you. What Jesus is saying, the guy is asking, hey, what's the most important thing, Jesus? What's, what's the most important thing that I could do? Jesus is saying, listen, to take your relationship with God seriously. To make Him the focus of your life. To make Him the most important thing. It's not your career. It's not your money. It's not your stuff. It's not your things. It's not even your family. It is to make God first and foremost. And here's the thing. And love others the way that you love Him. Love other people. Show the love of Christ to others. And so the thing that we most of us probably need to do is say, God, help me to get back to loving you and loving others. God, help me to get back to loving you and loving others. God, help me to get back to serving you and serving others. Because, God, when I'm there, I'm the best I can be. I'm, I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. I'm a better brother. I'm a better sister. I'm a better friend. I'm a better worker. I'm a better person. Whenever I love you with all of my heart. And I love people because you love people. So God, forgive me. And teach me to love them the way that you love them. And so here's what I'm saying is if you want to start over for us in this room, for the person who has never put their faith in Christ, here's what I'd say. You need to be born again. Just like Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Religious is not going to cut it. You know, just kind of being here for your mama, being here for your daddy, ain't going to cut it. Like I said, you're going to stand before God one day, and your mama's not going to be there, and your daddy's not going to be there. And God's going to say, what did you do with my son? See, you have to own your own faith. It's got to be your faith. It's got to be your relationship with Christ. It's your decision. So when you're standing before God, what would you say? Will you be able to say, well, you know, I, I went to church. Who cares? Well, I went, you know, to Bible study. Who cares? The question is, what did you do with Jesus? Did you put your faith in Christ? Have you surrendered to Him as Lord? Is He the leader and the Lord of your life? It says that we don't experience faith so much by sitting around and dreaming up grand dreams, but by taking the next step. See, I think sometimes we have great dreams and great aspirations of what it might be. But all those dreams need us to take a step, even a step of faith. Man, I want a life that, man, Christ is the center of it. Then take the step of faith by giving Christ your life. Just just surrendering. Just saying, Jesus, will you come and live within me? Most of you in this room, I would probably say, have made that decision. Most of you. But let me ask you this. Are you living a holy life, a righteous life? Do the people around you, your co-workers, do your neighbors, do, do, your, do your family know that you're a godly man or a godly woman? Do they see Jesus in you? Then if not, maybe today what you need to do, the step is, would be to repent. And say, you know what, I want to repent of the way I've been living. And Jesus, I do want you to be the focus of my life. I want you to be front and center. So here's some next steps. Number one is to repent and turn to God. 
It doesn't matter if you're lost and have never given your life to Christ. You need to confess your sins, repent, and turn to God. But for the believer, you need to give your life to Christ. I mean, you need to return. You need to repent and turn to God. Because here's the thing: I was 19 years old when I gave my life to Christ, and I can remember the moment. I can remember the spiritual birth taking place in me. But here's what I did: is I began to drift. I began to focus on other things, and oftentimes, you know what? God was not front and center. He was not where I needed to. I was not where I needed to be. He was where he needed to be, but I was not. And so I remember, I remember coming to points in my life where I would literally be broken over my sin. I say, God, I want to repent. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to turn to you. And for the Christian, for the follower of Christ that's in this room, maybe you've lost sight of what's most important. Maybe you need to return to level one. But if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. You need to look to Jesus. And by faith, you say, Jesus, I believe you're who you say you are. I believe, you're the, I believe you're the one that can save me. You're the one that can change me. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to encourage you to make that decision. Whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Maybe you're here and you go, Mike, I've never been born again. I've been in church I've gone for the wrong reasons. I've gone for the cute girls. I've gone for the cute guys. I've gone just to have somebody to hang out with. But today, I want Jesus in my life. I want to be born again. Then it's as simple as you putting your faith in Him and surrendering your life. You say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. And I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And I turn to you, broken over my sin, but desiring life. He'll give it to you. He'll put it within you. He'll place the Holy Spirit within you. If you just made that decision, if you just prayed that prayer, man, we want to celebrate that with you. And listen, there's other steps. That's just the first step. You're beginning the journey. And so what you do is you say, you know what, I gave my life to Christ. The next step would be baptism. The next step would be to get a good Bible and begin to learn how to grow and have someone pour into you and disciple you and to teach you. The next step would be membership. We have our class today, our Connect class today, right after this service. We would love for you to be a part of this church family. But there's many in this room that are already followers of Christ, but you've lost focus. And today, what Christ is calling you to is repentance. Repentance. That means a change of direction. And let me tell you, you aren't good enough to do it. You need Him. If you think that you can do it, you have already failed. It's surrendering, fresh and new. You're saying, Jesus, I give you everything. I ask you to forgive me. I want to repent. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you that you're the God of second chances. You're the God that allows us to start over. Father, you never promise it'll be easy, but you do promise you'll be there. You'll be within us. There'll be times that you carry us. Father, as we go through the rivers of difficulty, we will not drown. Father, I thank you for the promises in your word. I thank you for your presence in our life. I thank you that you redeem us, you save us. God, we are allowed to be born again, spiritual birth. And God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that has accepted you as Savior today, God, they have experienced that, that spiritual birth. I pray that they would share it with us. God, we want to know. We want to walk with them. Father, we celebrate that. that all of heaven rejoices in that. So, Father, we celebrate as well. So, Father, we just love you. We thank you. We pray for this new year. 
God, that we take new steps. And Father, more than anything, we would, we would get on our knees. We would bow before you as Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.